You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. Yesterday, we talked about walking with God and humility and walking in love and how that influences this ministry of prophecy that the Holy Spirit offers to us. You know, yesterday, I didn't think I said this out loud, but I noted this in my my notes as I prepared, that prophecy comes from God. It comes to us through the Holy Spirit. But we, as human beings, men and women, filter those messages through our own spiritual understanding. And my friend and I this morning have been texting back and forth about this idea of being hungry for more of God and revival and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. What I realized as she and I are texting is that When I think about hunger, I think selfishly. I think about what I'm going to get filled up with when I'm hungry. But when I think of it from the context of love, being self-sacrificing and not seeking its own, then I begin to realize that that beatitude about blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled, says really, in effect, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for His righteousness, for they shall be filled. I have been pursuing God, selfishly wanting to be filled up because it makes me feel good. I want to be the one who works the signs and wonders because then I'll know that it's true. I've been the one who wanted the more to satisfy me, not to satisfy Him. But God has taught me a profound lesson this past holiday season, and I want to spend just a couple of minutes unpacking that lesson in the context of love, and then we'll jump into today's message. I talked about last week how excited I was for Christmas because I had had this plan to give my husband this extravagant gift of a fishing kayak. I know he is, he loves to fish and he really longs to get out on the lake and go fishing. And, you know, a a motorboat, a fishing boat in that regard is not in our budget, but this kayak was. And so as I was considering that we would have the money to purchase that, I began to look and shop and Then I thought, I really want him to love it. So I invited him into the process and let him pick out the one he wanted. And I bought exactly the one he wanted. I didn't buy the one I thought would be better for us financially. I bought the one that he wanted. And when it was delivered, I was almost giddy as the man pulled the the 18-wheeled truck up on our very narrow road. And I was thinking, how in the world is he going to get out of here? And thankfully, the gate at the end of the street was open so he can make a tur- quick turnaround and, and get his truck out fairly easily. And um, we carried that into the yard. And I was just so excited that day. But that carried me through the whole Christmas season. 
And I realized in that moment that I'm the happiest when I can give people gifts that they'll really enjoy and that they'll really love. Or if they've expressed a need, when I can meet that need, there's a great joy that comes in me from being able to meet that need. Now, I don't like for people to come to me because they know they'll meet the need, that I'll meet the need, and they selfishly want me to meet the need. But I love to hear from somebody, hey, this is what I need, or this is what I want, or this is what I would like, and be able to meet the need. And so um, there's a new young man in our family, and um, he's been seeing my daughter for almost a year coming up this next spring. And um, so this is the first time I've given him a gift. And my daughter told me some things he would like. And it was a beverage. And so she just told me, get this and this and he'll be happy. But I was out shopping and I found this really um, nice set of glasses that would go well with his beverage. And they were not incredibly expensive, but they were really nice. They were Italian crystal and just a beautiful set of glasses. And so I picked those up as well and put them with his gift. And so when he opened them, he was like, wow, these are nicer than anything I've, I've got at home. And I didn't realize it at the moment. I also spent the holidays making a gift book for my mother's anniversary and just going through our family history and documenting our family history through the years. And there was just a beautiful marking out of life in that and being able to give my parents that gift to look back on their life. And so it's really spurred me on to consider what sacrifices I can make that will enrich the lives of others around me. And so I'm just stepping out by faith and doing things a little differently than I've done them before. So yesterday we talked a lot about the, this quality of love, that it's God's love, that it's his willful direction towards individuals, and it involves him doing what he knows is best for the individual and not necessarily what the individual desires. We talked um, about how to define edification or building up towards God's best for them or encouragement to strengthen and put courage and boldness in people to establish them in faith to actually move them in this direction of God's best for them or it could be an admonition a caution or a warning that's gentle in nature that causes them to change course but it is the opposite of suffering and tribulation, and it brings some level of comfort and peace. And today I want to talk about comfort, which is really defined as, because remember, prophecy in the New Testament context is for edification or building up, for exhortation, which is encouragement or admonishment, that puts courage, boldness, and faith or strength into an individual to gently move them, to change their course, to move in God's direction. It can be cautionary or a warning, but it's gentle in nature that will bring some level of comfort or peace to them. And then there is comfort. And it's more than just 
a hug or a pat on the back, but it's an empathetic, compassionate, tender mercy that is extended towards another. It's really, prophecy is really about the heart of God for the individual that you're speaking to. And so if giving a prophetic word is ever about you and not the person that you're speaking to, you might want to check your heart. I'm going to say that again. If giving a prophetic word to somebody is because you can't contain it, you have to get it out then it might not be about you. I mean, it might not be about the individual that you're speaking to. It might be about you, and you might want to check your heart. And here's why. Because a prophetic word given to you for somebody else is, has got to resonate deeply with it, their, within their spirit. The Holy Spirit in them has to resonate with that word. And if the filter is, I have to tell you this, then it might not be right. But if the filter is, I believe this is God's best for you, then you're going to hit the target. And you're going to do it in love. And you're going to do it with compassion and mercy and great tenderness towards that person. Because that's the heart of God towards them. He's their shepherd. He cares for them. He knows them by name. He knows the details of their life. If all I want to do is is expose or condemn or to get them to change in some way, my heart might not be right about the word. And I want to check that out. And I want to go to Romans chapter 14, and I want to start in verse 14 and continue on this same thing. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So our belief system, our belief system creates the mentality towards what is clean and what is unclean. It's this idea of judging between what is good and what is evil. And we were never meant to live on the judgment basis of what's good and what's evil. We were meant to live from God as the source of life. And this is why it's important to talk about this, because if not, then we will get into this discerning of spirits kind of prophecy where we're condemning things with our mouths. And I'm not saying that prophecy doesn't sometimes call for repentance. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is really good at convicting people to repent. My job is to call them up to the standard of Christ. You, you, you hear that? And so this is what he's saying. I'm no longer focused on what's clean and what's un But I'm aware that other people may not live the way I do and understand the way I do. And so here's what he says. Yet if your brother is grieved because of the food that you're eating, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So if we changed the word food to your prophecy, yet if your brother is grieved because of the words that you've given him, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your words the one for whom Christ died. It changes the context, doesn't it? 
Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So what he's saying is everything we do has to come from the pursuit of God's righteousness, his peace, and his joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of walking with the Holy Spirit is righteousness that produces what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us is this fruit that has the quality of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and goodness. And he says against those things, there's no law. So when we live by this, quote, law of love, over the law of good and evil or right or wrong or do this and don't do that, then we tend to be more loving, to be more joyful, to be more peaceful, to be more kind, to be more good and righteous towards others, to be patient with them. See, we're not compelling them to do our will. We're calling them up to a higher standard in Christ. We're calling them up to His righteousness, His peace, His joy, His love. It's a totally different way of thinking. So what do we do with this? Well, let's turn over to 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. And then we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 14. I've got my finger in that. And we're going to talk about the order, to do things decently and in order, because it's important. So I said 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, and it says in verse 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I talked about this yesterday. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, the gifts are a grace to us. It's a gift to us. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever Amen. After we get out of this initial part of 1 Corinthians 14, where it's talking about the purpose of prophecy, and remember that the purpose of the gifts is to build everyone in the body up in unity in the faith. And I think this is where sometimes we miss it in our common understanding of Western church today is that We are trying to build everybody up into the unity of the vision of the leader of the church rather than building them up in the unity of faith in Jesus Christ as the head of the church. There's a difference. And so I always want to be pointing people to Jesus. I always want to be pointing them to God's love. I want to 
be pointing them to God's righteousness, his peace, his joy, his patience, his long-suffering and kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his self-control. Because that's where our life rests. That's the unity we pursue. And it says the blessing of unity in Psalm 133 is life forevermore. And so it goes on, and Paul spends a good deal of time talking about the gift of tongues and how the gift of tongues has to be offered in a public setting with interpretation so as not to be confusing, and that tongues is often given as a sign to unbelievers. And then he goes into verse 26. So in the context of verse 22, which is where I'm going to start today, 1422. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Do you hear this? Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. In other words, so when a body of believer ga- believers gathers together and begins to speak in tongues in together, someone who is uninformed about these things, who doesn't know, who doesn't believe in them, is going to come in and say, you're out of your mind. I don't understand that. But if you're all prophesying, then he is going to hear things that bring conviction to his art because you're speaking from the Holy Spirit, who is the keeper of those gifts, if you will. And so if you are speaking from the perspective of the Holy Spirit, then it's going to reveal things that cause him to fall on his face, worship God, and report that God is truly among you. And so in verse 26, he goes into this. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation and an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three each in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him who has the tongue keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. See, we can pray in our prayer language to God and build ourselves up. This is what Paul is talking about in the beginning of the chapter about When we pray in our prayer language, we are speaking edification to ourselves, and only God understands what we're saying. And then it says, let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. So there's this idea that prophecy must be judged. So if somebody gives you a word, you have a responsibility to steward that word, meaning you have a responsibility to examine it. Ask the Holy Spirit to inform you about that word. If it doesn't resonate, you have two options. You can throw it in the trash or put it on the shelf and see if it's for later. I often put words on the shelf and they stay there until God brings them back to me. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first 
Keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So this makes a distinction between this gift from the Holy Spirit of prophecy and the office of prophet. So there are people who have this office of prophecy that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, which I will get into on Monday. And the office of prophet is given for equipping. And so this says that you're going to submit your word to the prophet and the prophet is going to give feedback on that word. He's going to judge that word. That means that if the prophet says don't speak it, then you shouldn't speak it. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women... Okay, now I want to be, be clear about this. Let your women keep silent in church, for they are not, not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God um, originally from you? So here, he is not saying women are to keep silent in church. Here, he is offering a rhetorical argument that he has probably received in a letter, and then he asked them, did the word of God originally come from you, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So when he's telling the women to keep silent in church... Here's the context. In the Greek church, in the Greek communities, women were worshipped and thought to be more powerful than men. Artemis was a woman goddess. Diana was a woman goddess. And so they worshipped them. You see this in Ephesus when the woman is, the, the young demonically possessed woman is running around chastising and, and harassing Paul and he tells her to be quiet and they get angry with him for taking away their source of income in this young girl because the people worshipped her and wanted the words that she spoke because they were able to sell their idols as a result of what she was doing. And so he's saying there's a lot of confusion being stirred up because the women were asking questions and stirring up um, dissension, so to speak, by asking question and questioning the things that were happening in this context. But he's also offering a rhetorical response. The word of God did not come originally from you. And he spent a great deal of time before this point commending people not to live according to the old law, the law of the prophets, but to live under this new law of grace and love. So this little passage about women is inconsistent with what he has said thus far in all of his epistles. And so we, if we take it out of the context of everything he's written, and even what he did in the Acts when he was ministering alongside of women who were leading in the church, we have a problem. It makes Paul contradictory in nature. He's saying there needs to be order in the way you present these things. So don't let the women speak and create division and confusion. 
Let her go home and ask her husband about the things that she wants clarified. And Chris Vallotton writes in his book, Fashion Terrain, the part of the reason that it created so much confusion was in this context, the men sat on one side of the room and the women sat on the other side of the room. So while someone was speaking, a woman would stand up and call the question out to her husband across the room and ask a question. And it was creating disruptions and disunity in the body. And so I completely concur with what I'm reading, that while I'm a woman who speaks and preaches and prophesies, I don't want to be a hindrance to anybody. So I'm not going to step outside of what the order is in the place I am. And I'm going to be submissive to the leaders where I am. And if they compel me not to speak, I'm not going to speak and not be angry about it and not be hurt by it, but have an understanding that there is something more important at stake. And so it's, he concludes this chapter the same way he began it. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And so here is where I believe I want to close today. That if we take love out of the equation and we take and we put ourselves as with the gift of prophecy or the gift of speaking in tongues or preaching or whatever that gift that God has put inside of you is as the primary thing, then we've completely missed the heart of God because love has to be our motivation, not encouragement, not edification, not comfort, but love and edification will come from love. Encouragement will come from love. Comfort will come from love. But that can't be our motivation. Our motivation can't be to rescue people. Our motivation has to be God's love. Because then it's, it comes from a pure place. It comes from the heart of God. And then the things we speak become pure and will point people to the righteousness of Christ, to the peace of Christ, to the joy of salvation, and the joy of the Lord, which becomes strength. So I want to leave you with that today. And I just want to close the show today by um, letting you know that I am going to um, postpone the beginning of our spring, winter, spring session of Bible study by one week. I have been pretty ill this week. I have been struggling. Um, after I get off this podcast, I'll probably be resting the rest of the day because I am just worn out from um, allergies and the resulting illness that come from the allergies that I get at this time of year. And so I'm going to postpone my weekly Bible study by one week, and I'm going to be reevaluating this weekend our January retreat to determine how I'm going to move forward with that. I'm not saying that we aren't going to have it, but we may have to adjust it a bit because we haven't sold um, enough registrations to fund the full event that I had planned. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be fabulous. It's going to be just what God intended for it to be for this season. And I'm grateful for that. So I want to remind you today, check out our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com. And check the events tab, check the Bible study tab, check out our additional podcasts. If this is the first time you're listening, be sure to go back. We have about 79 episodes that we've put out for this podcast. And we have the Redeem Rebel podcast, which has come out with four episodes in the month of December. And so 
It's just been a fabulous year for Blooming Inspired Network. We're doing such new things, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to release through us in 2019. And with that said, I want to remind you, as I always do, that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. To learn more about this podcast, its network, or the ministry of Blooming Inspired Network, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and select the podcast link at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.